Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Welcome to Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson, and I'm always delighted and honored when we get to spend some time with Brad Dacus. He's the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, and this organization and Brad and his team is doing excellent work across the country, and in particular right here in the Pacific Northwest. Let me encourage you to go to Pacific Justice or PJT or Pacific Justice uh, and uh, PJI, excuse me, and... uh, .org and support what he does. You can go to pacificjustice.org or pji.org and check it out. Brad, good to see you, friend. How are you? Oh, doing well, Perry. Uh, doing just great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and effort. Well, listen, you've been tracking a case here in Oregon involving a Christian foster family. Give us an update on that one. Yeah, uh, it's a very important case. It deals with a a Christian couple, and they want to be foster parents. Uh, they love kids, and they're told by the state of Oregon, uh, DHS, Department of Human Services, that uh, were, they were going to be rejected, and they were rejected, and they were rejected for one reason, and that is because they have Christian beliefs with regards to same-sex sexual activities, uh, as well as uh, people with, who, kids who want to uh, change their quote unquote change their gender and have allegedly a gender identity dysphoria or confusion. Uh, these are parents who say, no, we don't want to encourage confusion, much less confusion leading to permanent sterilization and a probable suicide from depression before the age of 30. Uh, that's what the stats show. They are, have a loving Christian worldview, and but the state of Oregon says, no. Uh, even though we don't have someone right now that you're caring for with those issues, just the fact that you have those beliefs is in and of itself grounds for termination of uh, being foster parents for any child at any time, and presumably not only to them, but also to other Christian couples living in the state of Oregon wishing to be foster parents. So where is the case today? Well, we at Pacific Justice Institute, we didn't take it lying down, needless to say. Our attorney there in our office in Oregon, uh, Ray Hackey, has filed an appeal uh, with the uh, Oregon Court of Appeals. Um, you know, we're hoping that the uh, Court of Appeals will see the, the, the light and realize that in the United States today, you can't disqualify people just because they're Christians from engaging in important public service. Uh, to children. And, and I want to point something else out. It's not just about this couple or couples like this. It's also about quality care for, for children. I mean, if they're in foster care, it's, it's for a reason. Often it's because they've gone through a traumatic situation at home or there's been a terrible situation that they've gone through. They've lost their parents in one uh, capacity. Maybe their parents are in jail. In other words, these kids have already gone through terrible trauma. What the state of Oregon is going to do is deny them uh, foster parents that have the greatest track record of loving and caring successfully for children. And that is, our, that is parents who have a strong religious Christian uh, beliefs and background. They're going to deny the best for the kids uh, who've gone through so much already. That in and of itself is inhumane. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do we know, Brad, if this was a rogue agent or is it really a policy of the agency? 
Uh, I wish it was just a rogue agent. Unfortunately, uh, this is the policy of the agency, uh, Oregon Department of, of uh, DHS. So uh, that's a huge concern, and that's why uh, we're taking this case on, uh, not flippantly, but with very serious litigation and litigation strategies. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Perry, there's a good chance that at the end of the day, this case may have to make its way to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, fortunately, we have a Supreme Court because of the appointments by former President Donald Trump that we believe in the end will carry through with their with, with what they've done before, which is rule in favor of uh, religious freedom and against state hostility towards Christians. Did you ever think in your legal career that you'd be defending Christianity as it relates to foster care? Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I there's a lot of things, of course, <laughs> I didn't expect to be having to face in my legal career that we're facing today. That um, just 10, 20 years ago, people would have laughed at and thought you were crazy if you had predicted what what's going on today. But um, yeah, this uh, it, it's really mind-boggling because you know the government's always wanting to recruit you know parents to be foster parents and you know be, you know help kids out, become foster parents, care for the kids. But the bottom line here is really clear. The hatred and the demise of Christians in the state of Oregon by the Oregon Department of Human Services, DHS, is so great, they are willing to disqualify quality parents that would do a, statistically, would do a a fantastic job for the welfare of kids. But just based on the beliefs and the possibility that they might possibly someday have a child that has gender identity confusion uh, or wants to uh, engage in same-sex sex acts, just that possibility alone is enough to get them to, uh, to dismiss and disqualify a qualified parent. In other words, their hatred and, and demise against people with a Christian worldview is so great, they're willing to uh, shove aside the purpose of their agency and the reason they're even there in the first place. So, Brad, at the end of the day, you and your team, you have to win this case. This is a national precedented case, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is a very much a nationally precedented case. Uh, we unfortunately uh, could see this already rearing its ugly head in states like uh, California, uh, Washington State, uh, New York, you know, Massachusetts, uh, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Illinois. There's already a number of states that are toying with this or have uh, implemented this on an on a case by case basis. So, like for example, in the state of California, the Riverside uh, Department of, uh, of, of Services or, or Child Protective Services, they were doing a presentation at a church in the Temecula Marietta area. And the presenter told these people at a church that unless you are supportive of same-sex sexual activities and attraction, unless you're supportive of encouraging gender confusion on a child who thinks they may have confusion, then you're disqualified. Well, you know, that, that information quickly got out. Uh, the county agency for Riverside, you know, publicly apologized. I said, no, no, we're not disqualifying. No, we're not doing it. But we know actually that, that is exactly the philosophy and policy being implemented by a number of uh, such agencies in the state of California already. So this isn't isolated. Um, it's it's very significant, and uh, this issue needs to be addressed 
uh, not just for Oregon, for people of faith in Oregon, but also uh, Christians living in other states, particularly blue states across the country. Do you know or have you experienced or heard any public community or legislative or legislature outcry on this case? No, uh, we haven't heard of any legislative outcry. Um, you know, there's we don't see any legislation brewing there in the state of Oregon to make sure this never happens again uh, or in California or in Washington state. Unfortunately, the uh, legislators who dominate those states and blue, other blue states, this is their ideology, Perry. This is what they think is, is fine. This is what they think should be the norm. That is to openly be hostile and bigoted and discriminatory towards foster parents simply because they have Christian beliefs and believe what the Bible says. And this would not only apply, by the way, to, to Christians, it would also apply to arguably to Orthodox Jewish foster parents who believe what the Torah teaches uh, about these issues. And, you know, so it's just not just limited even just to Christians. And it's something that is um, unfortunately not being addressed and responsibly by the political party that dominates uh, Washington state, Oregon, California, and other blue states. So in some ways, pluralism here could be our friend because there's a lot of religions, a lot of faiths that don't agree with this. Yeah, I'd say just about every major faith in the world doesn't agree with <laughs> doesn't yeah. agree with that. Okay, I so mean, Islam, Hindus, yeah. Buddhists, none of them agree with with this uh, radical yeah. uh, philosophy of child rearing and, and hostility against uh, in institutions with with the beliefs of their faith. So, where where are you? What's your proposed uh, understanding of the Oregon Court of Appeals timeline to reach a decision? Yeah, it's really hard uh, to guess, and I knew that question was probably coming, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, was, I always love to have definitive answers, you know, as yeah. an attorney. I love to do that. I can't give a definitive answer on this one just because uh, the timeline uh, could be quite long. It could be quite short. It could be a matter of, of uh, two, two months, um, or it could be much longer because of extensions. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen... Uh, how our court systems work, yeah. and justice grinds very slowly in our courts in the United States. And hopefully, in the end of the day, we we still have justice, uh, even though it grinds slowly. Uh, that's what we're hoping for in this in this case. Uh, how did you feel the argument went? Um, I think it went very well. Uh, you know, Ray Hackey is a fantastic attorney. The people in Oregon are so blessed to have someone like him with his. Uh, expertise and litigation uh, skill set. Uh, we call him the bulldog because, uh, you know, he could have a thousand people screaming at him and it would not interfere with his oral argument or his presentation. Uh, so we, we think he's done an excellent job. Also, he's not going alone either. You know, we have uh, 34 offices across the United States. All our attorneys every week get together on Zoom calls, look at strategy, compare each other's briefs and arguments on different cases. Uh, to make sure that we're sharp uh, and that we're together and that we've got the best case and the best arguments uh, possible. Uh, so we're, uh, we're very, we feel very good about this case. And of course, we're very happy that uh, we have someone like attorney Ray Hackey uh, spearheading this case for us. Well, I, I got to say, I, I hope that our viewers and listeners throughout our listening and viewing area understand what's going on here with our own DHS uh, in the state of Oregon. Um, this is, this is an amazing case. 
Uh, maybe the appeals court will see the light and do the right thing, but if they don't, then here you go. I mean, it's going to be appeal, right. appeal, appeal, and hopefully all the way to the Supreme Court. But this is monumental. Uh, the other thing that I uh, would like to discover, and this is maybe where the legislature would come in, um, does the DHF arbitrarily have the right and the power to make a policy like this, just arbitrarily do this? And it seems like they have done it without challenge, right? Right. And that's a very, very good point. And that's a part of the objection uh, that we have raised in our litigation, that what they're doing is not supported by statute. Uh, federal statute, definitely not, or state statute for that matter. Uh, they're they're adopting this policy not because of a, a mandate, but because this is their ideology, and uh, they're taking a, a principle, uh, if you will, and uh, trying to stretch it into uh, policies that are not legislatively mandated or authorized. That's our argument. Okay, we hope the court will agree. One other question before I take a break on this case, uh, Brad in. In their denial, was the word Christian used or just faith used? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. As I understand, they avoided using the word Christian. Uh, they, I don't know if they don't have, if they have a problem, you know, writing the word with Christ in it or, you know, but more likely than not, they probably wanted to, uh, to shift the focus on the belief and not their their religion per se. Mm. But the bottom line is you can't separate the two. Uh, <laughs> you just, and they know it, uh, that they can't separate the two. And uh, they, don't, they don't mind um, discriminating and disqualifying anyone with those beliefs, which means anyone who is a sincere follower of Jesus Christ and is a, uh, a Christian and a follower of the Christian faith. So if it's just their beliefs, now they're into the area of thought police. You are right. penalizing me for what I'm thinking. <laughs> right, right. Uh, based on a hypothetical situation that may never happen. Right. Likely won't happen. Most foster kids uh, don't have gender identity confusion or dysphoria. Most of them, um, are, you know, at an early age are not, you know, committed and resolute in same-sex sexual activity or other kinds of uh, divergent from the norm sexual activities. So uh, it's... It's, it is very, um, very, very yeah. extreme, very, very extreme. And, and one last point, you've made it already, but just to underscore, and that is that in foster care, homes of faith have been the most successful. Yes, uh, with, without question. In fact, a study from the University of Texas uh, found, uh, psychology department, it was a peer-to-peer -peer reviewed study. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it's very, very credible. And of course, University of Texas is not exa uh, exactly a conservative university by any means. It's very, very liberal. Um, but they found that the, the best families uh, statistically are those where you have a mom and a dad in a stable environment. And, uh, and that, along with other studies, have validated that those kids who are raised in a, a family of solid faith uh, have actually the best grounds, the best opportunity of not engaging in teenage pregnancy or having teenage pregnancy, uh, drug abuse, dropping out of school, uh, suicide. They have, these kids have the best opportunity to avoid those things if they're in a family, a mom and a dad with a strong uh, religious, usually Christian faith and, and, and background. That's what the, the stats show. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's indisputable. And so these kids are going to pay a price 
unfortunately. Kids who are in foster care generally uh, already have the stats against them. Uh, this only makes it worse. Okay, let me take a quick break. So honored to have with us uh, Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And you go to PJI.org. And for us here in the Pacific Northwest, look, this is a classic case where you need to go and support him. Go to PJI.org. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. And again, uh, always an honor and a privilege to have with us Brad Dacus. He's the president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And you go to PJI.org, check out the website and all the cases they're involved in. They're all over the country now. And in particular, doing an amazing job right here in the state of Oregon with one of the big cases that could go all the way to the Supreme Court. We'll see how it goes as far as um, Christian Couples wanting to be foster parents and being denied because of their faith. And by the way, you can hear the Dacus Report on the Dove Radio Network as well, and we're honored to carry that. Well, Brad, I don't know when you sleep, but uh, recently you were on a Zoom call, and uh, the call was on after-school Satan clubs. Whoa, what was this all about? Yeah, people, you know, say, say what? What was that? You're, Satan clubs? After-school Satan clubs? Surely. Uh, such wouldn't exist, to, you know, in a school in the United States. That makes no sense at all. Well, unfortunately, it's it's not just you know an isolated place with some person who's on the fringe. No, um, this is a national campaign uh, sponsored by the left, and people need to understand what we're talking about. So we say Satan clubs. We're not talking about people who actually profess to believe in Satan. Uh, no, this is a, a an anti-Christian club made up of atheists, and their game plan and their strategy is to form these, quote, Satan clubs, and uh, with the hopes of creating fear and panic with parents, pushing school districts to say, get rid of all the religious clubs, all the non-curriculum-related clubs, specifically get rid of the Christian club, because if we do that, we'll also be able to get rid of the Satan clubs. And that's their strategy. So it's not because they want to promote something like art or history or, you know, community service. Um, this is a, a hate group um, in a classic sense. Their formation is for the purpose of out of hatred towards Christian clubs and wanting them destroyed. That is the purpose of it. Uh, it's, you know, people, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, a club that is, well, I, there's many analogies I could come up with, but it's just, a, it's, it's, a, it's a club whose purpose is not for something, it's against something, and it's to, to get rid of Christian clubs, and it's out of hate and animosity towards Christians. That's what makes us so, so dangerous. If it was a Muslim club, a Jewish club, someone with a different belief, no issue, no issue at all. But this is a club whose purpose is to, out of, based out of hate, to destroy another crew, a club, another group of kids, and they've been terrible with regard to harassment as well. 
gosh, sounds like the ultimate bait and switch. Yeah, it, it, it's exactly right. Um, you know, I, one analogy could be, let's say you had a Jewish club on campus and there was another uh, club created that was a uh, pro pork club, let's say a pork lovers cl club. Um, the problem is that the people in that club were actually vegetarians. Uh, so why were they calling themselves the, the pork club? It's out of hate and animosity uh, towards the Jewish club. That's a very kind of analogy we're facing here. The people who make up these Satan clubs, they're not even necessarily Satan. They're not Satan worshipers. Uh, they have that name because their real purpose is simply just to be spiteful and hateful uh, towards another group, which are Christians. So you're on the Zoom call with them. You, you, your brain had to be on tilt when you found out what was going on here. Oh, yeah. So we had this Zoom call. We had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our people who, are, who are, receive our updates. We get our legal insider. They were all given the opportunity to be on the Zoom call. Uh, unfortunately, there are also some people who get our emails who uh, are not friends of Pacific Justice, but are actually members of the Satan, uh, Satan temples, if you will, and have this uh, agenda. So they were on the, the Zoom call, and we had something called chat at the time. And they were on there just rapid fire, creating disruptions, saying outrageous things. And their goal, I believe, was simply to distract the individuals who are watching the presentation about Satan clubs and what to do proactively and uh, to try to pull them away, uh, to get them distracted on the chat, on the chat room. Uh, we uh, tried to, uh, to deal with that. Some of our, our staff tried to, uh, to, to take those off who were just trying to create a disruption. Is very problematic. Needless to say, in the future, we will not have chat rooms, but only Q&A rooms, questions, and then giving answers uh, in the future. But uh, their, their intention was, was openly demonstrated uh, during that Zoom call, which was to be disruptive, to create havoc, um, and to, uh, to foil the ability for people to understand how to proactively and positively address this issue in public schools, which was the, the, the very positive, exciting thing that we talked about on the on the program on the zoom call so how active is this across the country and are they getting the attention of school officials to cancel all religious organizations uh, the answer is uh, yes they are they're all over the country uh, they're not just here or there uh, we see them now popping up all over the place uh, it's, a, it's a campaign it's from the left uh, from those who hate and despise Christians, people, uh, the LGBTQ activists are often supportive of this because they often just, you know, despise Christians. They want them silenced uh, because they know that Christians believe what the Bible teaches about uh, different sex acts and sexual lifestyles and cutting off body parts in the name of, quote unquote, changing their genders. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's growing. Um, they're riding the tide of the LGBTQ plus radical movement. Um, it's, 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 uh, and it's also, as far as the school board members are concerned, uh, they're gaining some traction. There's a lot of school board members out there who really don't get the idea, don't know what their strategy is. Uh, they just want to, you know, get rid of problems, uh, smooth things over. So, uh, you know, we see school board members saying, uh, you know, even, you know, seemingly thinking they're doing the right thing, saying, well, let's just get rid of all these kind of clubs, Christian club, the Satan club, all the non-curriculum related clubs, and that'll solve the problem. Um, it's it's a real shame, and we're trying to address that, and uh, specifically uh, pushing back on any attempt to try them, try them abolished, 
because that's what's going to end up abolishing Christian clubs. Instead, uh, what we're working with is a ministry called Decision Point and having them brought in to any place as a Satan club for them to help have full revival rallies in the school gym, a full evangelism outreach week. Uh, it's well laid out, and we enc- we're encouraging youth pastors uh, of churches uh, across the country to make contact with Decision Point uh, and the, the wonderful opportunity that exists to have a, a major evangelism wherever they are in the United States of America. That's wonderful. Okay. So um, are they targeting students? Are they literally going after them? How are they doing that? How are they targeting students? Well, they're, they're working with students who, and, and, and some parents who uh, want to uh, be hostile towards these clubs. So, oh, okay. uh, you know, they're, so yeah, they're working with, with parents okay. who may be a part of a Satan club, but, you know, ma- major atheists. Got it. Okay. Um, tell us about your upcoming event, Celebration of Justice. Oh, I tell you, Perry, this is going to be absolutely so fantastic. It's on October the 28th. It's at the JW Marriott in Anaheim, California. It's a wonderful evening gala. Uh, we're uh, going to have, uh, um, you know, Kaylee McEnany. She's going to be the keynote speaker, former White House uh, press secretary for uh, Donald Trump and is now uh, a frequent, uh, you know, journalist and appears frequently on a major uh, news network. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic event. We're going to give some exciting updates on our cases and uh, have some powerful testimonials. And the food is going to be absolutely fantastic. Filet mignon with a lobster bisque soup and a, <laughs> a, a awesome <laughs> uh, chocolate mousse dessert. Um, needless to say, uh, it's going to be a great event. <laughs> We got to get our priorities straight, don't we? <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, no, no chickens allowed. Uh, good, good, good. How, how, what do people do if they want to attend? Go to your website? Yes, go to our website. It's pji.org, pji.org. And uh, we already have 675 seats already filled. Wow. Uh, with 720 is our max capacity. So if people want to attend, uh, they definitely need to go and sign up uh, before our seats are sold out. All right. October 28th. Check it out at uh, pji.org. Brad, thank you. Thank you for what you and your team are doing. Thank you. You give us your time. And uh, thanks for your Dacus report. We're honored to carry it, buddy. Keep up the good work. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. All right. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.